All right, all right. Let's get this thing started. Good to see everyone today. Thanks for coming. So we're going to talk about creating artist platforms. So usually when when we do panels, I like to get I like everybody to leave the room. So you know when I, when I go to panels, I like to leave the room with things that I've written down that I can then apply to my business or to my career the next day. So that's that's our main goal here. I assume we, we have two main constituents in the room, musicians and people that are trying to build competitive products to the folks up here. And we want to best equip everybody to do those things. That's what we're here to do today. So if I can just see who, who in the room is a musician or representing a musician. Cool. And who's trying to build a competitive product to everybody up here? There it is. Holy All right. <laughs> cool. So we'll, we'll try to give a, a little bit of both have a awesome panelist so if you guys can just quickly introduce yourselves go my name is mike dornberg i'm the ceo of reverb nation should we give a little history yeah so we were founded in 2006 we have about 85 employees we provide sort of the core services a band needs to operate their business really from the very beginning up through really the time they become they start to really monetize you know monetize and, and sort of graduate as i like to say you know i think for those of you who know us you know some of the services we provide on-ramp to iTunes, email management. We provide ways for you to crowd review to get your songs reviewed early on in the development process. We have an ad platform that allows you to buy ads on Pandora and Billboard. So been pretty well, 3.1 million bands. Continue at about 50 to 60,000 new bands a month. I'm David Zufren. I'm CEO of Bandzoogle. We're a website platform for bands and musicians. Uh, we're actually a 10-year-old company. We're based in Montreal, Canada. And what we are is uh, an easy-to-use platform where uh, anyone can come and build their own website. They can either use one of our themes or they can customize their own theme. All the features that they need are built in, so it's point-click, extremely easy. We also provide them with a mailing list management tool. We provide them with a, with a store feature. And we also make it easy to integrate with other services. So uh, we actually have an integration with Topspin. We, we've worked with Reverb Nation uh, for, for a few years now where we power one of their features. We also make it easy for Reverb Nation users, for example, to pull in their calendar widgets. And we're, it's also possible to use it with Bandpage, and we're definitely going to end up working with you guys. Oh, thanks. Uh, so I'm kind of the, the easy girl yes. in the room, because I work with all these guys. And we're, you know, nice. Uh, we're independent, so uh, we never got any outside financing. So we're growing at our own pace, going nicely. And uh, it's a lot of fun. My name is uh, Shamal Rana Singh. This is my first SF Music Tech, so I'm honored and excited to be here. I'm a co-founder of Topspin Media. Topspin is headquartered in Santa Monica. We've been at it since 2007, so a little bit over six years. And we're direct-to-fan marketing platform for artists, mostly musicians, but filmmakers, brands, and really anybody who wants to build an audience and make money uses us. Cool, and I'm Jay Sider. I'm the CEO and founder of Bandpage. We have over half a million bands that set up their central profile, music shows, videos, as well as things to sell, like experiences. And then what we do is get that information and those things for sale out to your fans across platforms like your website, to Facebook, to Twitter, to we're now powering Vivo and Xbox Music, and just announced a partnership with Rhapsody on Friday as well. So another rule, 
with this panel is that we, we have a lot of information up here that we're going to talk about today, but there's a lot of information out there. And so throughout the panel, feel free to raise your hand and ask a question or, you know, leave a comment or whatever. So you, you're going to be busy. Just because, you know, I, we're all in the same room here. We all have a lot of good ideas, and I think everybody in the room could benefit from that. So to get started, for the folks that are trying to build competitive platforms and, and you know, put something together, we talked about this a little bit in the green room. What is, uh, right now, if, if I'm going to build a music tech company, you know, a platform for musicians, what is the best opportunity or, or market segment to, to get into as far as building a sustainable business? Okay, there you go. I would say that musicians are a very hard market to target. They, uh, they right, because don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Most of them have a day job, so they don't have a lot of time and attention to give to your cool new product. They, their bands break up all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'll repeat it, but they don't have a lot of money. So is it the bands that are just starting out that have some momentum or the bands at the top that you should target when you're considering starting a company? So from Thompson's perspective, we started really at the head of the tail with the, with the established artists, and then kind of went down the tail from there. And it, uh, I mean, our, the strategy was to really kind of nail what it, it takes to build an enterprise level uh, platform to, to generate lots of revenue for artists and understand the complexities so that we can help the middle class artists and the long tail artists uh, deal with them. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it, it, it proved to be pretty complex and uh, it took us a long time. So what, to, what was complex? Well, uh, first of all, with the with the bigger artists, you have um, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So you have the, the labels, the managers, huge teams, each with conflicting potentially uh, different points of view on the way campaigns should be run. You've got different release schedules that you have to coordinate. You've got charting requirements, licensing requirements. Those are, are huge burdens to take on as a startup. So my advice to uh, music entrepreneurs building tools, artist tools, is to not have to deal with that and start with, uh, like really segment out the industry and understand kind of where your problems, the, the problems that you're solving, will make the biggest impact in, in the segment that's gonna cost you uh, the least. I think that there's, a, there's sort of this kind of thinking these days that's, that says um, it's really easy to build a mobile application or it's very easy to build software. There's lots of frameworks for building software pretty quickly. There's a lot of really smart people who are good at building software. And so they think, well, I'll just, and, and, they, and they learn, they get some data points from maybe a band they know or from something they heard one time and they decide, I'm going to build a product around that. The reality is that it's also easy for everybody else to do that. So understanding the value that you're creating and not just understanding, but proving it is critical. So for us, we were talking about this early on, what Reverb really focuses on is bands very early in their career. It's what we do. And, and bands ultimately will probably need capabilities that we can't offer them. More sophisticated things that just aren't things that we do. But we early on focused on one really important thing. How do we acquire users at a cost that would allow us to have a real business? And I think that very often a lot of people come to us and they say, hey, I've got this new app. We want you to distribute it. And I look at it and I go, 
okay, that's three weeks worth of work or it's two months worth of work. If you're going to come, bring me something of real value. We were talking about this earlier. When Benzuo came, they had something we didn't have and it would be very expensive to build. So I think understanding what your value is, understanding how it is easy is to replicate and understanding what you need to do to be successful is critical. If you need a distribution channel and you have to come to somebody like Reverb to get it, you better damn make sure you have something valuable to offer us. Otherwise, we're just going to do something else. So that's, I think that's critical. At what, at what point in you know, the body of musicians, whether it's you know, the tail, the midsection, or the head, where is the most money flowing that they're, like, they're spending on tools that is attainable to get? So I think you talked about the head, you know, where you know, these big artists, there's tons of money and opportunity that they, and, and tools that they need to manage their career, but it can be difficult to work with all the different teams and the time and, and everything that comes with that. So that kind of leads the midsection and the tail. You know, wh where do you think the, the biggest opportunity is there between those two? Well, in our case, it, it definitely depends what your um, what your business model is going to be. If you're in our case, we're a flat fee, so uh, and and we don't take any commission, for example, on our user sales. So for us, it's definitely I would say not the very long tail or the very um, like the, the bands that are just getting started don't have any money to spend on their web presence. It's bands that are ready to to package themselves, get, uh, get a website together to both showcase their music, their videos, build a narrative, mm -hmm. build sort of a context around their music. But we're not attached to their success, right? So if you build a startup where uh, maybe a part of your revenue is going to be coming from the artists themselves, but mostly coming from transactions that those artists generate, then you have to look a little bit more downstream mm -hmm. where uh, you're going to be working with artists that already have a fan base, some level of engagement, and then you're going to try to, I guess, optimize that or monetize that in some way. So maybe, uh, and, and you, you obviously have a, a little different approach, but I think it's in the numbers. Like if you, you can go after the long tail and helping them go from zero to one, that's, is, right. that's what you say, right? If you've got hundreds of thousands, millions of, of bands to support, you know, the dollar that, you know, the subscription model, five bucks, 10 bucks a month. Yeah. I mean, I think that I use this term zero to one. I, I'm not the first person to use it, but you know, what's the difference between one and two? It's one. What's the difference between two and three? It's one. What's the difference between zero and one? It's infinity, right? <laughs> cause you know, you know and, cause you have no idea how big one is. And I think if you're a band, you're asking yourself, you know, you go out and you, you write some songs with your friend. I have a 19-year-old, he writes some songs with his friend, and they come back and they go, and we wrote the next hit song, and it's not the next hit song. It's terrible. But, you know, they go, well, we're ready to start on our journey. And the amount of money they have and they're willing to invest in is, is actually pretty significant given how much money they have. But it's hard. You got, you know, you're not a business. You've got, you know, three or four people that you're trying to move in the same direction. They have outside influences like school or, you know, a girlfriend or they, you know, having a baby, whatever it is. And, and so they make investment. We, something interesting. We look, we did a survey of our artists, our active artists about three years ago. It turns out our artists spend, our active artists spend about $5 billion a year in pursuit of their own career. Comes out to about $2,000 a band member. You go, well, that's a lot of money they'll spend. Mostly on gear or what? Some on gear, on promotion. Promotions, I think, uh -huh. is the second biggest part of it. Mm -hmm. Because what they're really trying to do is establish some, you know, get somewhere. So there's definitely money to be made there. But, you know, if you look at most bands, they're going to be unsuccessful. So their willingness to continue to spend that money over long periods of time is pretty low. And so that needs to factor into your thinking. For us, we recognize that. 
So we've got to be able to acquire customers very inexpensively. We've got to be able to charge them small amounts of money, something that's more in line with the budgets they have. Now, if you're a band that's already established some success, then you're really about optimizing your revenue. How do you make more money from the asset that you've built? And then when you get to the sort of the higher levels, it's all about, it's just about efficiency. You know, how do you do it faster? How do you do it cheaper? How do you get to market quicker? So I think it really depends on what you're doing. I think if you're gonna ask me if what problem needs to be solved right now, I'd say I have no idea. No, I, 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 I do think that there's a big problem out there and it's really how do you curate? How do you find bands? I think one of the problems is everybody's vying for the same ear. So how can you create ways to rise above that noise? And so I think that there's some interesting examples of that out there. Cool. So, so hopefully there's a, there's a little bit of a direction as far as, you know, the, the long tail. There's opportunity. Like you said, there's $5 billion that they're spending on, on building, starting their careers, building it. And then as you get into the midsection, they're starting to make some money. And so they have money to spend on, on platforms and they're not yet bound to, you know, all the, the, the large management and slash labels that you kind of have to work through. And then if you're at the very top, you're building efficiency and, and you're ready to deal with uh, what comes with that. So I think another interesting question, this one's for musicians, is what's of all the tools, you know, you guys have built over the last five years, what have been the ones that have been the most popular in the past and what's, what's working now? Like what are, what are most musicians buying and, and, you know, why is it useful to them? Like why is it helpful to their career? Most musicians aren't buying anything. <laughs> they, uh, they're, they, they, you know, they, they create a Facebook page, they put some videos on YouTube, and then they hope something will happen. And uh, in some cases it does, and maybe when it does, then they're ready to, like, like at some point I think there's an epiphany in the band that comes from, oh, okay, like we are, we're gonna be serious, we need to set up some kind of a more formal presence. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's like, as to what's most, most popular, like I definitely think that websites for most bands are still a must have. Is there, but is there a feature or a template or something that's selling really well on you guys? right now oh for so for us uh -huh. uh, for us well for us it's a package right what we sell is really convenience is is about like you there's as a band there's probably a thousand different things you could be doing online and what we tell them is if you come to Banzigal, you're going to be doing probably uh you know 10 or 12 of them within one login and one platform so the mm -hmm. so you know get it getting your music out there through media players uh setting up a mailing list Blogging, having photo galleries. Having is there one calendar. that everybody uses? Like um, mo most people, a feature most people, most musicians use? Definitely music players. Like uh, the, that's definitely uh -huh. like having the music out there is, is uh -huh. everyone's focus either in audio form or video form. I'm seeing video oh. becomes more and more important. And I think that's a good thing. How about you? Yeah, so for, for us, there's really two things. One is the email from media widget where fans put in their email and uh, agree to a kind of a permission-based marketing relationship and the bands give away a track, a video, or an EP, or a bundle, or whatever. And that kind of establishes a direct marketing relationship. And that's been very successful for our artists and there, it shows no sign of slowing down. And that sets the stage for the next most commonly used part of our platform, which is a bundling engine. So. I mean, the great thing about um, the internet now is that like, artists can really represent themselves in any way, shape, or form and offer all their fans a variety of options. So the casual fans can come in and 
give their email just to get a free track. The hardcore fans can buy a $150 box set with a signed lithograph and really anything in between. So the bundling engine allows the artist to take the album, match it up with a t-shirt and a concert ticket, maybe a fan club access, and then bundle that up and maybe give the fan, the hardcore fan, a discount. And all the accounting for all those discrete products is then taken care of and then published into the website, Facebook profile, social networks, and into the, into the major services as well. And you guys have done a couple of studies that have shown that um, the higher priced opportunities, you know, the, the bundles mm-hmm. sell, sell yeah. better than, you know, the 5 to $10 ones. Is yeah, that right? absolutely. And it just goes to show that uh, the fans have a rabid appetite for whatever the artists, whatever their favorite artists are going to be offering. So across our platform, across all the transactions that have ever happened on the system, the average transaction price is uh, over $20. It's like 23 or $24. And for artists that actually take the time to do the planning and execute well, that transaction price, average transaction could be $50. And then if you put tickets in there as well, it could be $90. It's interesting because on Banzoogle, it's about $26. And we don't have the same focus on packages, but definitely people, when they come to an artist's website, they're not buying just a 99 cents download. Mm -hmm. They're probably buying an album and a t-shirt or a couple albums. Like more of it, there's definitely more of an engagement in terms of sales that happen on the website. And then you give the opportunity for that buyer to sign up for the mailing list and you might have them for life. Yeah. So musicians, these are the tools you should be using as they're uh, working the best for a majority of your user base. How about you? It's a hard question to answer because I think... All your tools are so good. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> they're great. No. What is that? No, yeah. I think it's hard question to answer because I think it really depends on where a band is in their career. It's just fun. I can, but let me, you ever say that Time Magazine where they have the arrows up or down, depending on where it is? Facebook, down. Not not as useful as it used to be. Agree? Mm -hmm. Twitter, seems like it's slightly up. Email, still remains remarkably important. I think that there are, some things that we found that, that are interesting. In a band that's early in their career where they're looking to validate their music, where they're looking to validate, we have a product called Crowd Reviews, which is a really good sanity check to see if you're ready to go to market. What we do is we send out your music to a whole bunch of different people and we get reviews, we statistically kind of move it around and we kind of give, and if you're good enough, actually, you get a score of over 7.8, you get upstream to CBS Radio. People like that. Very few bands are at over 7.8. One of the things that we implemented recently was something called Music for Good. We actually have something like 125,000 bands that are using it now where you can partner with a charity. The idea was if you could, instead of just saying, here's my song for sale, what you could say is, if you buy my music, you're supporting a charity. And then we split the money between the artist and the charity. Mm -hmm. That what you're doing is you're turning what would be a music sale into something very different. It's patronage which has has proven to have some success, but it fundamentally comes down to the question is, have you built enough of an asset that somebody's willing to pay for it? And I think that if you pick the right tool at the right time, it can be very valuable. Pick the wrong tool at the wrong time, and it's your step and buddy down a hole. How do they know what time to pick what tool? Well, I, I would argue that a band, first thing a band needs to do is they need to validate that they have a good product. And I know people think they have a good product because they ask their girlfriend and their mother if their song's good. And, but the truth is that that's not really validation. You really need to go test the market. 
Do people download your music? Do they listen to it? You need to talk to them. You need to find out whether you really have a good product. You need to hone your craft. I mean, you were telling the story earlier about, what was it? Macklemore. Uh, Macklemore who go out to the park and mm-hmm. just trying to, yeah. but you need to do that. And for I think, eight years, yeah, so for eight years, he was he was in Seattle, like, slinging his CDs. My friend was, uh, you know, went to the same high school as him, and he was out slinging CDs at the park for, like, eight years, like, a long time, you know, going up to these high school kids, like, hey, check out my check out my disc and all this stuff, and he was kept on working on it, working on it, and now here he is, you know, and it's just, it's the hustle that, that you, you just don't give up, and through that, you'll continue to get better and better. I mean, anybody who's built software, and I know everybody in this panel, we put out products, and then we watch how our users use it. We go, ooh, that's not good. We better change that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think bands are no different. But once you do that, mm-hmm. then you want to establish some type of momentum. Um, we did this, do this thing where we show a, a picture of a horse race where there's horse A, B, and C, and A's in front, but we don't tell you where in the race you are. And you ask a crowd of people who's going to win the race, and everybody yells up A, even if it might be 20 feet into the race. And, and the thing is that bands need to create that same momentum. They need to have, people need to believe that they're going to be the next big thing. And that's what drives the next big thing. And so I think you want to start to, to seed the market. You want to start to drive that sort of thinking into the market. And as you start to create that gravitational pull, that critical mass, then you have something. That's when you start investing mm-hmm. into monetization. It's when you start investing into marketing. It's once you've established that little foothold and then you can really drive it forward. So what, what can the musicians in the room write down to do to get that momentum going? What can they do tomorrow to go do that? And any, if any of you guys have suggestions, that's cool too. Yeah, I would say get your media, your music, your film, your videos, whatever, out on the web as much and as far and wide as possible. I mean, make it as fluid so it can travel through sharing and so forth. Get it on all the networks like SoundCloud and YouTube and and get yourself heard. But then make sure that when it's out there, there's a clear path for it to come back to you in terms of a permission-based marketing relationship so that then you can build on that. You can message those people. And it doesn't have to be an email. It can be a follow uh, on Twitter. It can be a like on Facebook. But all those are just mechanisms so that you can further message and build that relationship. I would say focus on quality, doing quality things, not spraying yourselves too thin and try to be on every network and, and focus on, on acting and looking professional. Like, and, and, and I agree with Shamal, that's like the first thing you should do is make sure that your music is out there and can find an audience. But, and but I, then, think, I think wh- that's good, right? And, and so get, put your music up. I think people are doing that. Be professional and do the best work that you can. Get but some one, professional. That, get some professional what? photos taken. Get a really good video made with high quality video and audio. That's that. That can be a game changer for what you do. Okay. Get a really good looking website. Make sure that uh, use Pandora. Uh, well, you can use anything, but make sure that it's updated frequently. That the contact information is on there. That uh, your press kit on there has high resolution pictures. That your tour calendar is always updated. Like you know what I mean? The do a few things, but do them really well. If your old MySpace has tracks from 2003, either remove them or update them. Like uh, you have to own your. It's your responsibility to own your online presence. So that's I would do that tomorrow if you haven't done it yet. I, I think the thing that everybody really discounts is the need to have that sort of seminal moment. That one thing that'll let you that you can latch onto that'll take you somewhere else. We, we just got named to, named to the Inc. 500. And <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, but it's interesting. In our area, in, in Research Triangle in North Carolina, 
people knew who we were, but this one little thing, all of a sudden, the phone hasn't stopped ringing. And the funny thing is that the people there tell the people in Boston, and they tell the people in New York, and they tell the people, and this one little thing starts to resonate, even though we didn't do anything different. And I, I would argue that if, after you get, find out your music's good, after you package yourself, find that person, the group, the tastemaker that you can build off of, and then just market the crap out of that idea. You need somebody who, uh, you need third-party validation that you're good. And it's, people need to pay attention. And once you have that, then you just need to build on that. I don't know that sometimes, you know, people just try sort of broadly just sort of marking themselves. And it's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit just, it's sort of a shotgun approach. And I don't know that ultimately that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I, I often see musicians like, okay, we got a band together. Let's go on tour. <laughs> and, they, you know, before they ha can pull like 20 people or 50 people to their own town, they're going to these other towns. But you need to kind of build that momentum within your own town first so that when bigger bands come in, you've got, you know, 50 people that you can draw to a 200 person, you know, show, right? And, and build off of that, and then you can start the tour. So you said something I thought was um, a good point, um, which is having somebody, you know, when you're even when you're first starting, uh, to have somebody there that's a little bit, you know, that, that's, that can spend their time on the business of yeah. your career. Um, and even if it's just a friend that's helping out to start, um, that's taking the time to focus on those things that will, will get you there. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's a drummer for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, that, that's exactly right. I mean, we recommend a topspin uh, to have a business partner or a business team, and labels play that role well, um, and agencies and marketing partners can also play that uh, as well. And, you know, you, you want somebody to to kind of um, partner with so that they can execute on your ideas as a musician. I think that one of the most critical things, uh, success drivers for our campaigns is when the musician, the artist takes an active role and is authentic in projecting their own voice and is actually kind of um, the, uh, the spearhead of the creativity of the campaign uh, themselves. And then they have somebody or team to kind of run that campaign and uh, you know there's folks from the uprising here in the audience and and others that we work with that um, we introduce to our artists uh, to to run these campaigns so again out to the audience we have you know all these platforms up here if if you're a musician what and I'm, I'm asking this question so you're gonna have to speak up what 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 do you want them to build like what what's working so far but you just wish they would build for you and those that are trying to build competitive products to everybody up here listen up because that's what you should build hello everybody my name is Feli Chaco and I'm really happy to be here and I have a question for the CEO of River Nation and Ben Zugo but first off I would like to say that wherever the record labels have failed any digital company will fail as well. Meaning that the artist is the tool that you need in order to have your company exist and do what they're doing. So first you have to respect the artist and you have to be the artist's partner. So it takes a lot of money, a lot of pressure. It costs a lot to be an artist. To go to a studio to write your song and do all that stuff to be where you are in order to accomplish your goal. 
I think what you're saying, and I agree with that, is that we have a responsibility to play also in educating our user bases as to what the, the best practices are and how to make sense of all the tools that are at their, their disposition. The, and it's hard because it's, it's there's, against this. So, and I'll give you a quick anecdote. We, we have some features on our platform that I wish we could remove. One being the guest book, you know, the old school guest book with the smileys. And, and we also have a hit counter that you can add to, and, and a tool that lets music auto-start from your website. Mm -hmm. But some, we try to remove those, and the outcry, like people, we, like, as you know, technology providers, we have to make sure that there's also a manual that comes with the technology that we perform. Cool, so we're, we're listening, yeah. keep going. Yeah, I use Facebook, I have my own website too. I've used Sonic Bigs before, I've used, I am on Reverb Nation now, but every time I see something very exciting in my email, and it say, oh yeah, go to this festival, or go to this, submit your music here, and I submit, they say for free, but when I get there, it says, oh, you have to pay $30, uh -huh. or you have to pay $5, I don't care if it's a dime. I don't want to spend my money there because you need me in order to draw fans to your website. So I don't want to spend money there. Even if I have money, I don't want to spend it because I want to be your partner. I want to work with you. I want to use my look, my hard work, my music, put it there for free to you because you're not paying me for it. I don't want to be your marketer I'm not a marketing tool, I'm not a marketer, I'm an artist. I give you my product in order for your company to do what they're doing, so, so I don't want to pay you. Mm -hmm. So you need to pay me for what I've done already on myself. I mean, it costs money to, to be beautiful, to keep my look, and I don't want to be... <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. So. I, I, it, there's a bunch of questions and all that, and a bunch of comments and all that, so I'm going to try and start. So when we talk to a promoter, which is what we sort of, sort of broadly define, and any people who provide opportunities, opportunities to play live, opportunities to submit uh, your music for licensing, whether they choose to charge a fee for that is up to them. We don't take any, we don't take any of that money. We just simply facilitate it. So if they're charging you, it's because they choose to, and they because they they decide that reviewing. The music is time consuming. And you might think, and I, and I really appreciate the artist perspective, it is hard, but I want you to appreciate mine. I want to appreciate the musician, I mean, the, the, the industry. Every day, every single day, we get 15,000 new songs. These songs need to be sifted, sorted. These songs need to be, the profiles need to be managed. And you won't find any advertising on Reverb. Right? You're not going to see, people aren't advertising next to your music. There's nobody, I'm not trying to sell Pepsi or Coke, but we're streaming that music and it costs us money to provide that for the artist. And the thing is that there's a huge imbalance between the number of artists that create music and opportunities that can make them successful. And that imbalance creates economics around the way Band, and I, I fully appreciate how much money it costs to go into the studio. I fully appreciate how much work and effort you put into creating your music. But the reality is that there's so many people doing that and so few places, so few outlets for them. And it's so hard to go from all of the bands to just the ones that are super good. That process is time consuming, costs money, and somebody has to pay for it. And if the, with the other way around, where there are only a few creators of music and lots of places for it to use, 
then it, the economics could be very different. So I guess what I would say to you is, I understand you, I don't know I can do anything about it. <laughs> sort of what it comes down to. But there, there, are, there are indeed tons of companies out there on the internet that are trying to profit from musicians, uh, I guess, ignorance or... Um, so you have to be careful. And, and what, I, what I would tell you is do your due diligence. When you, like before signing up with someone or with some service is gonna be charging you for it, like make sure that you're gonna get the value that you're gonna be paying for. And that can happen by asking your friends, asking people in the industry, uh, looking them over if there's been reviews of their services. There's a bit of homework to be done because there are some people that are trying to unduly profit from your work and, uh, and like hopefully like the, the, the ones that are actually providing value and a service are going to be the ones that you end up working so with. So would you guys, as far as giving advice to those in the room that are trying to build artist platforms, are you, are you kind of seeing the response you know, from a musician and thinking about the business implications behind it? If, if somebody's considering getting into that business, your suggestion is to... Be careful. Really <laughs> careful. <laughs> well, my, my approach is simple. We, uh, we provide a service... There are costs attached to that service, development, uh, bandwidth, server costs, and in our case, mainly support. We charge a small premium on that, so we have a nice profit margin to keep growing and keep the lights on and feed our employees, and that's our, that's our business model. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. I would tell you, is, is your product creating value? Then charge for the value it's creating. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Hi, my name's John Starr. I'm with... Um Rockets Radio, and we deal with a lot of young musicians. We help do promotion with them. We have worked with Reverb Nation. And one of the things that I see is that a lot of bands get a year into it, and they don't have any kind of agreements between the members of the bands. They don't have any kind of defined roles. They don't know when they get $200 from playing the show, how much each of the band members are going to get paid. What would be nice is to have some simple forms for the artists that they could use amongst themselves to kind of help define those roles and to just kind of create simple band agreements don't have to be any kind of legal forms mm -hmm. or anything like that that's one of the features i think would be good to the musicians in the room is is do you need help organizing yourselves and and kind of putting together social contracts yes no I know that if okay. you Google it, you'll find some free like musician, uh, musician-oriented contracts on the internet that you can download and adapt for your needs. Okay. It's something that we've looked at into integrating, but uh, mm -hmm. there's something out there that's available. But I think, I mean, what this conversation is just showing, as far as like, you know, building artist platforms, uh, is difficult given the money that's out there that musicians are spending when they're when they're focused on spending it. You know, in the long tail, the mid, and the head. Um, you know, how you're able to build platforms to support that. And the expectations for what their money's going to get. Right. I think that's a huge part of it is that, you know, they don't, a lot of times they don't get the return they're looking for because they spent all this time making great music and now they want to spend some money and they don't see that immediate return and they get frustrated. Any reaction to the musicians in the room about that? Like solutions or ideas? Yeah, Tom? Uh, Tom Murphy with the SF Chapter of the Recording Academy. We're talking a lot about platforms, and you have artist-facing platforms, and this morning's panel was about consumer-facing platforms. And the question I have is, what about creating good music? That the delicate line between spending a bunch of time in all these tools 
versus time writing, mm -hmm. composing, collaborating with other musicians. Are there other tools and platforms to help artists nurture their art? Cool. The more time you can free up. Like, definitely, like I think us guys, if we make it simple so you don't have to spend hours online, so you have time to practice and songwrite and perform, that's definitely one, like one, part, of the, one part of the answer. Yeah, I think uh, and Indaba uh, Music is, is another one that kind of started that way. Now they're doing more competitions to help you get your music on to, you know, to platforms they get paid from. But I think that's a, a really interesting question as far as like one of the biggest issues of getting paid as a musician and having a su successful career is, is your music. And so what are the tools out there to help you, um, you know, write songs uh, more effectively or work with other people to collaborate? Do you guys have any advice or feedback on that? I think a lot of us on the, on the panel here, we kind of take over after the music is produced, so probably don't have as much insight on that point. Um, there's a, I think there's a service called Gobbler, which uh, I think allows you to, to, to transfer files back and forth and, mm -hmm. and collaborate on, on music production. It's kind of a music-focused Dropbox. Um, yeah, there's, there's tons of tools. I wish, I wish I had a list with me, but there's tons of small iPhone apps that can... Anyone out there have, have any that come to mind? Yeah. Sh shout them out. I got one that's like, we just built it, but it's... Uh, All right. Here. <laughs> this is the best pitch. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, it totally saves time. Like, I'm a musician, I do film music, and I do production for other artists, and I work for festivals and whatnot, so saving time is huge. There's like... How many social media streams does someone mm -hmm. have? You know, like twenty. Mm -hmm. Especially in the electronic scene, like it's it's huge. So what's it called? It's called Soco5.com. Soco5.com. Yeah. There, there it is. <laughs> oh, thank you. Amazing. It works on your top five. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. We're about to launch. Can we put this up on the screen? Yeah. <laughs> No, we'll, we'll get this. We'll get this later. He's he's aggressive to the investors in the audience. This guy. I just dropped it at the right time. Yeah, I guess. yeah. I but really, like, I, I spend so much time managing my uh -huh. profiles and helping my artists manage their profiles on like uh -huh. so many sites. So this uh -huh. is just like a business card online, basically a combination of, cool. like, yeah. of everything. So you can like the main thing is it's folks trying to top five. So you only get five that you can show someone right on the back on your profile page. Mm -hmm. But you can change any time. If you're a photographer, you can have Flickr, Pinterest, and mm -hmm. DeviantArt. But if you're a musician, you can have SoundCloud, Beatport, SongKit, uh -huh. whatever you want, and you can actually get syndicated. It's like Bootsuite. So you post two things, cool. and you can pull it in as well. Feeds. The feeds is really exciting. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm done. And thank you very much. It's so good. Bye, bye, bye. You can check it out in the next little while. It's just you guys can talk to him after if you yeah. <laughs> see no worries i want to respond to the lovely lady in the back because i'm an artist as well my name is stacy cray but i think you're barking up the wrong tree these guys are not the enemy i believe very strongly that the enemy is a cultural belief that music and artistry should be free and what you really need to do is talk to your fans Find the people that like your music, find those rabid fans, find those people that will pay for it and then will come to you and that will believe in that. And we, and we need to instill that in people. We need to instill that, especially in young people, kids. They need to realize that the value that America has always brought has been creativity and innovation. And if we don't reward that, 
for musical artists. We're not going to reward it for film artists. We're not going to re reward it for visual artists. We're not going to reward it for software engineers. The problem is enforcement of copyright law. Okay, so that's, I just, I don't think these guys are the bad guys. And I'm a Reverb Nation user, so I wanted to respond to that. It's hilarious that you want to take down the guest book feature because I have that feature. So you guys, do you guys power the websites that, is that how it works? Okay, yeah. so I use that, Site Builder. It's him. Site Builder, okay. Yeah, Site Builder. And I, I have yeah. the I have the guestbook fu function, which I thought was super cool. And no it one is has, cool. It no is one cool. has ever signed up on the guestbook feature. Is that, is that why? So you there you to go. Down? You can is yank that, that feature out. Well, you, you can keep it. It's your website. You can oh, do whatever. <laughs> now that I know it's like the pariah of the website, I'm taking it down. Now let's just say that it's been out of the best practices list for maybe five years. Like yeah, I think yeah. I think a lot of the like the, the social connection that used to happen on guest books and forums that you would have on your artist's website now happens on Facebook and different social networks. So it's kind of redundant to also have it on your site. It's super hard to kill features. I, we try all the yeah. time. People just, there's always like five very vocal people that don't want you to kill it. So I'm responding to Jay's question about what could you do, what tools could you, mm -hmm. could we use? I mean, one um, thing is I, I really do love Site Builder and the, I will say that for people that are looking for a website, I think your your services are expensive, and I've looked around to try and find things that are cheaper. But it's twenty bucks a month, right, for the website? Eighteen. Am I getting nada? Yeah. Okay. It's eighteen ninety nine. It's nineteen ninety nine. But what I will say is that um, the customer service is awesome. And so when I, you know, I do all of my website stuff myself, and I am not a tech person. And you know, when I have a problem, I email them, and within a day or so, I get a real person writing me back and telling me what my problem is. One of the things that would be awesome for me would be. Um, you know, updates, and maybe you do this on new features that you have so that I can keep the site current. I feel like my site is extremely, like, 1980s. It's pretty sad. Yeah, Actually, there were no websites in the 1980s, but, you know, old school. Yeah. And then the other thing is about, about the curation thing. I mean, I, I, I think that's a huge opportunity for whoever can figure out how to do it. And the problem that I find with the curation stuff is that it tends to be about people that already have an established, rabid fan base and that can email their, that ha you know, like high school kids who have can say to their family members vote and vote often and vote 25 times a day and also that it's not it's not by genre so you know i'm not in an exciting genre where i'm gonna you know like wow people with uh you know metal music or something it's more it's quieter and so it would help to be if you're going to be in that sort of a crowdsourced format to be in it, to be with like artists so you're right social Terrible predictor of quality. Yeah, I mean, you're you can use social as a predictor of quality when you have. What do you a, mean? What do you mean by that? I mean, if you look at sort of how many likes somebody has, or how many, you know, it's not a great indicator of how good a band is. Unless, of course, you have a million fans, mm -hmm. then you're good. But you know, that's that's sort of I don't know. That's causal. Um, so, what's a great indicator? Uh, listening to music and you know uh, and so we've looked at this every which way and we we do have algorithms that actually do support certain levels of curation so we can look at things like show schedules and what clubs are playing and things mm -hmm. like that and we can do some good things but not everybody tours right not everybody so one of the things that we started experimenting with was um, <coughs> to see if we could review music and at scale it's super expensive but we're doing it we're, we're, our goal is that by the end of the year, that within 90 days after a band joining the site, provided that they have enough, they've given us data, because that's a big part of it, they have to provide us some data, that we actually listen 
to every single song that comes in and sort it and put it in the cut the buckets that it, that it can be used. And here, this is a little disheartening for you artists that are out there, but we have professional A&R people that are doing this. 5% of the songs that come in are considered commercially viable, 5%. Of that, fi of that 5%, about 40% of those are considered A&R, which represents about 2% of the song music. So as much work as people put into the music, the, 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 the bar for getting to the top is so high. But our thing is that we believe that if we can start to do this, that we can start to sh sort of hold a mirror up in front of the artist and say, this is where you stand. Here are the opportunities that are best for you. But I want, for all the artists, I want you to realize how expensive it is to do this. It's a couple million dollars a year to do this. And so when you talk about 20 bucks a month for a site, you know, you, you got some developers, you know, that cost you, or in this town, that cost you like a hundred grand. I'm happy yeah. Well, but are you, but are you happy to pay? Yeah. I'm, I'm, Do you think your friend, your musician friends are happy to pay? I'm happy to pay in the sense that I've looked around. Everything is a matter of economics. We live in a capitalist society, mm -hmm. at least last time I checked. And so it's all supply and demand. And so if there were a service where I, you know, where it was $10 a month, I'd probably go there. But I might not, because actually I've already put a lot of work into your site. I know how it works. I know I'm going to get the customer service. So, you know, frankly, if I found something that was five bucks a month, I might still go, you know, it's easier to be with them. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, don't feel, I don't feel like I'm getting ripped off. And I think that the, the key to not getting ripped off is talking to other musicians and finding out what the legitimate sites are. Yeah. There are a ton of companies trying to take advantage of musicians. Mm -hmm. And if you ask around, people will tell you musicians are more than willing to share their information, who, their own who, experiences. Pardon me? Who is that? Who is what? Who's taking advantage of you? Who is taking advantage of me? Um, I mean, you know, what you're talking about is a little bit like what Taxi did, so you gotta be careful of that whole thing. That, that's a $400 a year site um, or something like that. And what happens with that is that you, you know, the danger I see with you guys doing that, and I, I applaud what you're doing, I think it's amazing. It's a and tough if you, problem. I think it's an amazing thing to do. You have to be worried about the people that you're going to offend, right? Because artists are very, you know, touchy. They don't like to be told that they aren't good. So as long as, but I think as long as you're providing a service, like you've got all these wonderful services and platforms and things, and so the person doesn't get on the, you know, the A-list, your A-list of review, you still go, well, but the website's awesome. And the, the, you know, and you still have a good feeling about it. Well, I think it's important. I'm gonna tell you why we're doing it is because we, Right now, the the way music is sort of popularized is that somebody has to anoint you. Somebody has to tap you on the shoulder and say you're good enough. And we think that's crap. We think that there, there are so many great bands that come up through all of our systems. I mean, amazing bands that never see the light of day. And if we can bring some efficiency, even if we don't get it right all the time, and it's not like we're gonna tap the, you know, tell the artist, look, you're bad. What we're gonna do is try and showcase the good ones to the people that are interested in them and say, look, I know you have your little circle of people that you listen to, but you need to take a look at this band in Peoria, Illinois, because they're a damn good band. And if you can show and if you can showcase that at a time when AR budgets and the, and the and the opportunity for scouting new bands, it, that those budgets are coming down and you can start to provide ways to do that, that's a very powerful thing for the artist to do. I agree with you. It's very, very challenging. But we've tried this sort of fully democratized environment. And at some level, at some point you have to say, mm -hmm. look, there are bands that are there are bands that are more commercially viable than others. Let's give them the best chance of success. 
So, yes, Mike, you, you may not know Mike in the back there, but he, he teaches at Berkeley. Super smart dude. I'm going to get you on the mic here. Can you get him the mic? You, you talk about, you teach, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Hey, Mike. Okay. So Mike teaches at Berkeley School of Music, brilliant guy, and looks at this stuff all the time. What, what's your opinion as far as, like, what, what are the things musicians need to be focusing on the most today? What, what's the most important tools? And I know I, I brief you on this. I was going to ask you this before, so... But whatever you're teaching in your courses right now, as far as like what, what's the most important thing for musicians to focus on and the tools to use to help them to do that? I thought that Mike had a good point earlier when he was talking about Reverb Nation in that you, you're really good at helping developing artists. And I think you said yourself that at some point, you know, it makes sense maybe to work with somebody else. So for me, I think it's really, you know, understanding your psychographic, understanding what your goals are, and then trying to figure out who best fits into what you're trying to do. The key thing for me is that every musician is different. Every path to success is different. So trying to you know, educate yourself, I, I work for Berkeley, but being educated on what's out there, where things are moving, where the revenue is, understanding you know, it's not just about um, sales of your music, but experiences and other things. Uh, I think that's all really important. That would be kind of a top line answer. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you. And you for can sure. talk to Mike. Mike's got full of information. The guy to your right there has a comment question hi uh, my name is lucas gons so the um issue that i find relative to, to your point about demographics slicing demographics uh, intelligently and uh, uh, and band hosting uh, resources in general is that i try to be driven by markets for the work that i do and that includes um as a musician some people find my stuff more useful than others and some people are looking for it so for example i recently created a, a band zoogle profile specifically for people who might hire me as an acoustic guitar player for a couple hours, because there's a market for that. And, and the difficulty I had was importing songs and you know, redoing all that stuff. So Topspin um, really you know, found a niche for itself as a marketing tool and as a tool to create awareness of the importance of marketing intelligence and um, sophistication. So what I'd like to ask, uh, um, the panelists is, what markets do you help musicians with in particular? For example, Reverb Nation really uh, made its name as a connector to South by Southwest. Sonic, Sonic, Sonic Bids. Probably Sonic more bids. so than the... Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what are your thoughts? On what? <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Um, what are your thoughts on how you connect musicians to markets, rather than how you sell stuff to musicians for I no think there's three, there's three there's main, three main main um, main uh, people or main targets that you have to keep in mind there's first there's the fans that you don't have so that's people that have never heard your music might have heard your name maybe heard a song uh, so how you use these tools has to work for them Second is the fans you already have. People that are familiar with your music, might be familiar with you, have bought something from you, also needs to work uh, for those guys. And third is industry people or professionals. So that can be bloggers, journalists, media, bookers, promoters. So I'm not sure if that's answering your question, but what you do has to be catering to these three all at once, and it's not easy. I do, I do too. Hang on, hang on. One, I got a just one second. Hang on. Okay. Did you have a, a response to that? Yeah. I'm, okay. <clears throat> so I would I would say that like I'm I'm not sure whether you're talking about geographic markets or you're just talking about the market for an audience in general. Uh, I mean I, I I agree with uh, David's kind of framework on you know you got to turn the 
unaware into the aware and then bring them down the funnel into a, to a transaction. But um, I mean, if I was to kind of give some advice for the future, not maybe right now, but kind of where we're going and we're thinking uh, about a topspin is like, how do you quantify your fan base and how do you like really understand the dynamics of how much your fans are worth and how do you, how do we as an industry look at other industries and apply their frameworks and methods for understanding fan bases and customers to uh, to our industry. And so you can look at analytics uh, and information coming off of your Facebook trends, YouTube exactly. trends, Twitter, yeah. and and you guys have that as well. Yeah, we have that, and you know we're we're building out more stuff on it. But like, and and what we don't have now, but I think would be really valuable is an understanding of like what your you know fan lifetime value is, and just to understand that very basic metric. Will help you then understand how much your how much it would cost to go acquire these other these fans new fans for you. So, these are the things that I, the dots that we need to connect as an industry to help um, with these kind of fundamental problems of like how do you find new fans in new markets. One of the things that can be most helpful, I think, in in that sense is is to find a friend or somebody in your network that does marketing and pick their brain because that's their job is to find those markets and convert them at the right price for you and to grow your fan base that like we can give a lot of advice of things you can go do but if you can find somebody that has studied that and, and knows how to uh, convert fans um, then then you you'll be much more productive in a day instead of like four months I want to restate your question to make sure I got it right are you asking when are we going to start creating opportunities for the artists that we serve when are we going to start to find help them be successful as opposed to just sell them stuff is that right um, that's, that's, that's actually a good way of putting it. Um, what I would say is um, most of you guys um, are in businesses that kind of arose from uh, the ashes of MySpace. Everybody saw MySpace as an extremely valuable but unfocused platform uh, and found ways to improve on that by connecting bands to better resources with no particular focus on who, was, who they were selling to. I think that's right. I think that's right, but let me, but I want to come back to your question. Okay, so how many of you, how many people in this room have a LinkedIn profile? Raise your hand high. We got okay. three minutes, by the way. Yeah. So how many people have you been endorsed? Okay, so basically what LinkedIn's doing is they're getting everybody to tag everybody else. Why? Who uses that information? The employers. And the employers all pay LinkedIn. They've created a marketplace because they understand everything about you. But how many people in this room have music they'd like to license? How many people know the writer splits? How many, how many people know your PRO number? How many people understand the rules around publishing? I doubt that. <laughs> it's all a bunch uh, of uh. So the problem is that in order to create a marketplace, you have to be able to convey information from one place to another. You have to put something reasonable in front of somebody. So the A&R the, the scout, the A&R, the you know, Warner Music needs to find bands and they need to scout bands. The licensing company needs to find music that's going to be good for a trailer at a certain price. So why do we charge you? So we can learn more about you, so we can have a relationship with you, so we can develop that type of, so we can develop the information. And the idea is ultimately that we can become valuable to the industry as well. We'll become a trusted source for them to look. But part of this relies on you guys helping. Part of it relies on you having a business, something that you can convey rights. It's not just all on us. But there's no marketplace in music yet. 
There's no LinkedIn for music. There's no, there's no place where we can take millions of bands and even millions and millions of songs and connect it. So we can't, that, that's evolving. And I think that's certainly a place that we're going and I know a lot of these guys are as well. So the answer is not yet. And, and so we're just out of time here. Another artist platform that's doing really well that's not on the panel is Bandcamp. So you should check them out. Bands in town as well helps you get your tour dates out. Bandcamp lets you sell your music directly. And these guys do a fabulous job as well. So thank you everybody for coming in today and thank you. Thank you.